0: Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is a delight to have you with me on this beautiful crisp November day. I'm excited about today's conversation. It is going to be a powerful one and a most necessary conversation, especially with the days and times and people and places and things that we are encountering. It is one, hopefully, that will allow you to sit down and really contemplate who you're being and how you're being and the choices that you make going forward. My guest today is Leonard Perlmutter, and he is the founder and director of the American Meditation Institute, In Avril Park, New York, and the originator of National Conscience Month, Leonard is the author and editor of Transformation, the Journal Journal of Yoga Science as Holistic Mind-Body Medicine, and over the past decades has served on the faculties of the New England Institute of Ayurvedic Medicine and the International Himalayan Yoga Teachers Association. He has studied in Rishikesh, India, and is a direct disciple of Swami Rama of the Himalayas, The man who, in laboratory conditions at the Menninger Institute, demonstrated that blood pressure, heart rate, and autonomic nervous system can be voluntarily controlled. These research demonstrations have been one of the major cornerstones of the modern mind-body movement. Today we are discussing his new book, Your Conscience, The Key to Unlock Limitless Wisdom and Creativity and Solve All of Life's Challenges. Leonard Perlmutter wrote this book to address a crisis in education. He says, Many of us, no matter when we graduated from high school, were only educated to memorize and recite information. Perhaps a truly skilled teacher taught us critical thinking skills. But it's highly unlikely that we learned to develop the practical and creative tools that reliance on the conscience can provide. As a result, we are ignorant of our own innate, brilliant human capacity to make the wise and kind decision in every circumstance the conscience gives us the confidence to know what's to be done and what's not to be done no matter what challenge we face but our ignorance of the power of the conscience blinds us and leads to suffering without further ado i'd like to welcome you leonard to 1111 talk radio it's an honor and a pleasure to have you here
2: well it's it's my pleasure and i deeply appreciate the invitation
1: Most definitely. I know that you uh, have written another book that is is deeply profound that I love uh, as well, which is called The Heart and Science of Yoga that has to do with empowering a self-care program for a happy, healthy, joyful life. And as I read through uh, this particular book titled Your Conscience, it really brought home uh, one of the big topics uh, that has now finally gotten more of a spotlight uh, than perhaps in the past, and that has to do with mental illness. And I've often thought that we're all mentally ill to a certain extent because we've been conditioned, we believe things that we believe, we let our mind run, run amuck in certain situations or allow our senses to take over. And this really feels like uh, an introduction to mind and a mind manual to kind of realign an individual uh, to perhaps their own higher being and their conscience, uh, while helping them understand why. There was definitely a sense of, you know, whatever we are going to think in our minds is going to lead down a specific path. Uh, Talk a little bit about the mind, about mental health, about mental illness, about the distinction that you're trying to share through this book as opposed to... um, what maybe other spiritual books have said.
2: Well, thank you. I guess the, the challenge for most human beings is the fact that nobody taught us about the mind and how the mind works. I think that intuitively, most of us, even as children, imagined that there were different voices in our mind. Uh, as, as it turns out, that's, that's true. There are. There are actually four voices in the mind. And it's critically important to understand each one and what each one represents and what the agenda is for each so that the choices that we make can be sound ones and enhance our living. So there are four functions of the mind And the mind is so powerful that without it, the body cannot move. For example, I can't raise up my hand without first entertaining a thought. So the mind moves first and the body follows. And from every action that we take, whether it's a physical action, a verbal action, or a mental action, a consequence develops. That can lead us in one direction or another. Well, I think that on some level, we all share that consequence that is out in the future somewhere. We want to be happy. We want to be secure. We want a healthy body and a healthy mind. But to experience that, we have the responsibility to know our mind and to train the mind. I think of it as parenting our own mind. So I referenced four functions of the mind. The first that I would like to discuss is ego. We think that we know what ego is when someone acts Oh, full of themselves uh, and filled with vanity. We say, oh, they're acting egoically. But ego is much, much more than that. It seems to me that the ego is hardwired to the reptilian brain. And the reptilian brain is heavily invested in self-preservation. You know, I don't want to die. I don't want the form to be no more. And because of that investment in self-preservation, the reptilian brain, as well as the ego, suffer from a tremendous, a tremendous fear of annihilation.
1: Leonard, before we go further into the four functions of the mind, I think it might be relevant to listeners to know the distinction between conscience and conscious or consciousness, um, mm-hmm. and, and when you're talking about that, also go into the distinction between uh, individual conscience and collective conscience as opposed to collective consciousness.
2: Consciousness is the background of all reality. It is our awareness. It is our awareness. And it is the same within me as within you, within everyone. That consciousness is the background of all reality into which gross and subtle objects appear for limited periods of space and time. One intimate relationship that we have with one of these gross objects is our body and our mind, and every object that we can perceive through our brain and senses. These are gross objects appearing in our awareness. I am aware of the telephone. I am aware of the computer. Awareness is the background. The conscience, on the other hand, has to do with the mind. It is one of the four functions of the mind, and it acts functionally as a mirror Because the conscience, which is the only function of the mind that can make a decision, is the only function of the mind that can discriminate, determine, judge, and decide, that conscience needs to have a quiet environment in order for it to reflect perfect wisdom from the center of consciousness. And at the center of consciousness exists an intuitive library of wisdom in the form of what yoga science refers to as the super-conscious portion of the mind. Now that might sound fanciful, but the super-conscious portion of the mind is beyond the conscious portion, it's beyond the unconscious portion. It's the same portion of the mind where Albert Einstein saw mathematical equations, where Paul McCartney hears beautiful melodies. Doesn't mean that any of us is necessarily going to be a songwriter or a mathematician, but what it does mean is If we can learn to coordinate and calm down the ego and the senses and the unconscious mind, the conscience can reflect perfect wisdom from the center of consciousness into our conscious mind. And we can be consciously aware of the thought to think, the word to speak, and the action to take that will enable us to fulfill the purpose of our lives without pain, without misery, and without bondage.
1: Now, you have talked about two of the functions uh, briefly, the ego and the conscience. And there's a line in your book where you say that Shakespeare mentioned or meant something very different by the statement, to thine own self be true. And the deceptive intelligence would have us believe that That means we should be true to what we believe ourselves to be, which is often the ego. um, Or it might be to be true to what we feel is our truth. What do you feel like Shakespeare meant by that statement, to thine own self be true?
2: Well, when I look at that statement and I contemplate it, I think of my essential nature, that which never changes. And at the core of every being, every, every form is consciousness. It's the background of all reality. And there are three components, three definitions. One is eternal, never born, never dies, self-existent, not dependent on anything else for its existence. It was, it is, it always shall be. That's the first characteristic. And the second characteristic is consciousness itself. It's our awareness. And within consciousness, as I mentioned a moment ago, resides an intuitive library of wisdom. And that library of wisdom is the superconscious portion of the mind. And the third characteristic of our essential nature that Shakespeare was referencing in To Thine Own Self Be True is the characteristic of bliss and fullness. It is the nature of consciousness to be fullness and blissful, not lacking for anything. So those are the three characteristics, eternal, consciousness, wisdom, bliss, and fullness. Having a human experience in time and space through a mind, body, sense, complex.
1: And we are having this human experience right now. The way many people might describe this human experience right now is maybe chaotic, challenging, confusing. Uh, And you mentioned uh, that there is some value in pain, that we experience pain. I loved how you talked about it being the deep-seated struggle between the light and the dark of the mind. Can you help to uh, explain what you mean by
2: the real value of pain is? For me, pain is the shadow of the outstretched hand of the divine reality tapping us on the shoulder and advising us to make a mid-course correction, that there's too much conflict in the mind, and that inner conflict becomes the mother of all problems. So pain is an opportunity to make a change, to grow. It's not unlike the GPS that we use when we drive to a location in our automobile or our truck where we've never been before, we don't know really how to get there, and when we are driving and the instructions come from the GPS software, then if I make a mistake and I make a wrong turn, what do I hear from the computer? We hear something that resembles recalculating, recalculating, and that's what pain allows us to do. It's a gift to help us slow down from driving at 100 miles an hour in the passing lane of life, come over to the far right hand uh, portion of the of the highway and make a turn.
1: As you become more familiar with these concepts through your own personal experience, your personality will begin to acknowledge your real self as (laughs) Satchitananda. Eternal consciousness, wisdom, and bliss. The real you will begin to see things as they are, not as they once appeared. Then through an ongoing dynamic process of experimentation, purification, and transformation, the old personality's unconscious limitations will slowly fall away. The old you will become the real you, supported by a clarity of vision that enables you to serve as the creative and compassionate instrument of change that you long to be. If we are sincerely seeking a kinder and more rewarding way to treat ourselves and others, then remember ahimsa, the highest principle of yoga science, non-injury, non-harming. We must first examine the one concept that most perverts our human perceptions. The concept is the personal pronoun, I. This is from Leonard Perlmutter's book, Your Conscience, the key to unlock limitless wisdom and creativity and solve all of life's challenges. Mr. Perlmutter has presented information, informative yoga science and meditation workshops at the MD Anderson Cancer Center, Kaiser Permanente, the New York Times Forum on Yoga, the Commonwealth Club of California, the University of Connecticut School of Medicine, the Washington University Medical School, along with many other places. You can find out more about him and his books and workshops at AmericanMeditation.org. And I will mention that January is National Conscience Month. It started a few years ago. This is the third annual National Conscience Month. And it is a way that people can begin to experiment with their conscience as a good tie-in with the upcoming New Year's resolutions. They are offering different forms of experiments with conscience to have an experience for you to have an experience so definitely connect to his website americanmeditation.org and get a jump start by picking up your copy of your conscience the key to unlock limitless wisdom and creativity and solve all of life's challenges we'll be right back with more of leonard perlmutter and your conscience right after these messages
0: Have you seen 11 Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444...
3: Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com
0: Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: Before we get back to Leonard Perlmutter and his wonderful new book titled Your Conscience, I wanted to mention a couple of things. Number one, the latest issue of 1111 Magazine is up and out, and it is beautiful, so I hope you will partake of it. You can go to the 1111mag.com website. It is themed around voice and vitality, and it is a time for us all to use our voice and our vitality for higher and greater good. I also want to mention that my podcast, 1111, is sponsored by BetterHelp. And they have a special offer for 1111 Talk Radio listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and it's BetterHelp.com forward slash 11. You can go to BetterHelp and uh, be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Well, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. This is not a crisis line, it's not self-help, it's professional therapy done securely online and there is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. This service is for clients worldwide and you can log into your account at any time, sending a message to your therapist in which you will get the timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you never have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. As with traditional therapy, go to betterhelp.com forward slash 11 to get 10% off your first month. They are committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change therapists if necessary. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. You can go to BetterHelp.com and get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp.com forward slash 11 and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Again, that's BetterHelp.com forward slash 11. I also want to tell you a little bit about something that I have found that has been supportive for me. I spend a lot of time at my desk and on my computer between writing books and creating the magazine or doing my talk show. And so when we think about how many hours we spend sitting at our desk or on the couch watching TV, what if you could turn those otherwise inactive times into opportunities to burn calories and get fit? That's exactly what I'm doing, thanks to my new QB, that's C-U-B-I-I, and its compact elliptical unit that fits easily under my desk so that I can be pedaling my feet and getting a workout while still at the computer. In fact, I'm using it right now while I'm recording this episode. QB is whisper quiet, super easy on the joints, and a recent clinical study confirms helps burn 84% more energy than sitting alone. So take advantage of QB's 30-day risk-free in-home trial. Turn your least active times into your most productive opportunities to stay healthy with QB. Visit qb.com slash 11 to find the QB elliptical model that's right for you, and we can cycle together. That's qb.com slash 11. QB is also a perfect solution for anyone who might be housebound or otherwise needs something to help improve circulation and keep active. So if you have a parent or a loved one who's got limited mobility and needs a way to stay healthy, QB would be a perfect gift for this holiday season. I love my QB, and I know you will too. Again, you can go to qb.com slash 11 and find that elliptical model that's right for you. Uh, We all say I'd work out more if I only had more time, right? Well, QBs makes it easy to burn the calories, stay active anytime, and virtually anywhere. In fact, I set my QB up in front of the couch to burn calories sometimes when I'm watching TV. So definitely check them out and get one for yourself and a loved one this holiday season. My guest today is Leonard Perlmutter, and he's the founder and director of the American Meditation Institute. He has written another book, uh, which is titled Your Conscience, The Key to Unlock Limitless Wisdom and Creativity and Solve All of Life's Challenges. While you're picking that one up, I highly advise you also pick up The Heart and Science of Yoga. You'll enjoy that one as well. Within this book, he says... The conscience is the only function of the mind that has the ability to weigh the options and make a decision. In Sanskrit, this function is called the buddhi, and it's it's a far greater wisdom than what today's cultural concepts ordinarily ascribe to the conscience. It's much more than the little angel on your shoulder reminding you to eat your broccoli when employed regularly the purified conscience will have the reflective quality of a well-polished mirror and can instantaneously access the infinite creativity wisdom and love of supreme intelligence at the center of consciousness definitely go to americanmeditation.org to find out more about leonard perlmutter his books his workshops and all the work that they do and also join them for national conscience month this is their third year and they're going to be offering different forms of experiments for your conscience to have an experience. Welcome back, Leonard. It is um, really wonderful to have this conversation. I think it's vital, especially now more than ever, that we be more conscious in our way of living. And you mentioned aligning right thought, right word, right action. And in the book, you talk about how uh, we create our lives. The law of karma makes us architects of our own lives. And you mentioned the word gross when speaking about the body. And that was a really powerful point you put in the book about how reality moves from the subtle to the gross and how the thoughts lead to actions and the actions lead to consequences. And I would love for you to really share how how subtly that can start and what it can expand to on a greater level To not only help individuals understand what they're truly creating in their lives, but also how that's impacting the collective experience for the rest of us.
2: Well, I believe that thoughts are our most powerful resource. And yet every thought is only a suggestion of what we give our attention to. It's not an imperial command. So how do we know which thoughts are to be served and which are not That's the purview and the benefit and the blessing of working with our conscience because the conscience alone has the capacity to reflect superconscious wisdom from the center of our consciousness to let us know which thoughts are to be served in the form of speech and action both of which will lead to consequences that can enhance our lives or delay the prospect.
1: And as we look at these, these thoughts, I, I think you did some amazing metaphors when you were talking about how we move things from these little thoughts into something larger. And you spoke about it in terms of uh, thoughts being like an embryo. Uh, and and something that we actually birth. Can you expound on that metaphor a little bit?
2: Yes, I do believe that uh, thoughts, these little packages of energy, are forms of an embryo. And the more that we give our attention, and attention is love, that thought incubates into a gross form. The first gross form that is incubated is our speech. That's a more concrete form of the original embryo known as a thought. And with even more attention or more love, that energy from that embryo of a thought will become a physical action in the world. And the actions in the world, the speech, bring about consequences. And we know the consequence we want. We want to be happy, we want to be healthy, we want to be secure. But nobody has taught us how to get to point B from point A. We need a business plan, we need a philosophy of life. And by understanding and coordinating the functions of the mind, ego, senses, unconscious mind, and the conscience, we can develop the fabric of a philosophy of life that will serve us in every situation to lead us for our highest good.
1: Now, you mentioned the four functions of mind. Logic, five senses, is one. Ego would be the second. Unconscious mind, the third. And conscience, the fourth. And you just spoke about how the thought moves from the, the subtle to the gross, so, based on the Upanishads, you wrote that every thought falls into one of two categories, and that's Preya and shreya. Can you talk a little bit more about what those two are and um, a little bit about the distinction of how we know which one we're in?
2: Well, the Shreya will always lead us for our highest good. Will always lead us for our highest good. It's not necessarily pleasant initially or comfortable or familiar or attractive, but it will lead us for our highest and greatest good. The other form of thought is a praya. So you have the shreya for our highest good, and praya is some form of ego or sense gratification that conflicts with our own inner wisdom with the super conscious wisdom reflected by the conscience and so even though the prayer might bring us a passing pleasure it is always followed by some form of physical mental emotional or spiritual dis-ease or pain so For a scientist who's interested in experimenting, the more that we think the thought, speak the word, and take the action that is a Shreya, we'll be able to fulfill the purpose of our life without pain. And yet, life is also filled with prayers, these ego or sense gratifications that conflict with my inner wisdom. And if my outer action is in conflict with my inner wisdom, then that inner wisdom is going to project pain into my life, whether it's the physical body or interpersonal relationships. So these prayers that come into our awareness in the form of thoughts, desires, emotions, They're not bad. They're just the wrong form of energy that has come to us. It's a debilitating, many times poisonous form of energy. But we all learned in fourth or fifth grade that even though energy cannot be created nor destroyed, it can be transformed. Yes, we know that we can transform ice into water and water into steam. But now we're learning that we can also transform the inherent energy, the contractive, debilitating, poisonous energy of anger and fear and greed. And the mechanism for that transformation is sacrifice. The word sacrifice comes from the Latin. And then... Through the Italian, it reaches us. It means to make sacred. So if we, in real time, say we're cut off in traffic by somebody who is going 90 miles an hour, and I have to slam on the brake to avoid an accident, and anger starts tumbling from my unconscious mind into my conscious mind, what am I going to do with that? The more attention I give it, it's poisoning my entire physiology. But if I can, in real time, take that anger and offer it back to the origin from which it came. And what is the origin from which it came? Well, everything comes from the same origin. We might refer to it as G-O-D. But there is only one reality. Everything has come forth from consciousness. And if we can offer it back in real time because it conflicts with our own inner wisdom. That sacrifice becomes the mechanism for transforming the debilitating and the contractive and the poisonous preya into strategic reserves of healing energy, willpower and an expansion of our creative capacity.
1: It's not lost on me that the word pray, P-R-E-Y, is in prayer, and it almost feels like when we bring our attention to something that is the short-term gratification of the senses or something that we're willing to happen right then Mm -hmm. for some alternative reason, that not only are we preying on the energy of others or the energy of this world, but that's what creates that law of karma, And, and I I have I've learned elsewhere through Ra Uruhu's teachings that the karma is not really the things that come back in the world to us, but it really is this experience within our own physiology that, that becomes destructive, which is what you said about disease or physical or emotional uh, discomfort that ends up arising.
2: Correct. That's right. So, in, in the moment, when we have a new relationship, which is the consequence of previous action, we now have the opportunity in that new relationship to self-examine. Look at our mind. What faulty concepts are stored on the software of our mind? And now we have the opportunity in real time, even when somebody cuts me off in traffic and I'm aware of anger, I have the potential to update my own mental software by sacrificing the prayer, transforming it into healing energy, willpower, and creativity. And I can draw on each of those energy, willpower, and creativity in any future relationship. It's a beautiful system, but we have to participate in it. It can't be a passive experience.
1: From the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas, Jesus the Christ. If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. The first time you you hear of this statement which is attributed to Jesus the Christ, written nearly 2,000 years ago, the words might seem puzzling. When you examine them in the light of the still older science of yoga, however, their profound and practical messages become clear. Our destiny depends on our ability to discover, manage, and honor the tremendous power of our own minds. Access to our superconscious wisdom can indeed assure that our lives will be purposeful and rewarding. But when we ignore or refuse that power, our resulting lack of love, courage, good judgment, and creativity will inevitably diminish all our relationships, even contributing to the destruction of our beloved physical bodies. This is from Leonard Perlmutter's book, Your Conscience, the Key to Unlock Limitless Wisdom and Creativity and Solve All of Life's Challenges. I invite you to engage in National Conscience Month this January. It is the third annual one that Leonard is putting on with his organization, and it is a way that people can begin to experiment with their conscience. As a good tie-in with the upcoming New Year's resolutions, they will be offering different forms of experiments with your conscience to have an experience Leonard Perlmutter is the founder and director of the American Meditation Institute. And you can find out more at AmericanMeditation.org. We'll be right back with more of Leonard Perlmutter, which was written with Janice Cortez Perlmutter, uh, right after these messages. So definitely check it out uh, or click on AmericanMeditation.org in the bio description to look a little bit more until we get back.
0: 1111 magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart and stepping into conscious living. 1111 magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com.
3: Do you want more more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships? more empowered community greater fulfillment and life purpose the 1111 mastermind community inspires empowers guides and supports transformation shift your mind expand your heart deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 mastermind community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Horses.1111mag.com It's your world.
2: Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back. I am hoping that you are getting familiar with Leonard Perlmutter as we go through this show, if you have not been introduced to him before. Again, his website is AmericanMeditation.org, so definitely check that out when you get time. uh, I think you will find a lot there that uh, not only is fascinating and beautiful, but can prove to be quite enlightening and growing for you as well. We are discussing his book, Your Conscience, today, and in today's culture, we are urged to move at an excessive speed and react instantaneously without taking the time to examine our thoughts or evaluate what's best to be done and what's best not to be done. But the reassuring message from the ancient sacred text, the Bhagavad Gita, is clear and prophetic. Whenever there is a decline of truth and a rise of untruthfulness— The supreme intelligence appears in the human organism to protect and reestablish dharma, the truth that will uphold and maintain the individual and collective social order and make it possible for humanity to flourish. This is from Leonard's book, Your Conscience. Uh, As we move deeper into this conversation, Leonard, about prayer, and you mentioned um, quite a bit about how uh, that relates more to the the short-term gratification but conflicts with inner wisdom and how Shreya is more in harmony with inner wisdom. I would imagine that it can sometimes appear confusing or as illusion because we look at what's going on today, and most may think that this is that law of karma that what we're encountering in the world at this time might be might be praya. But in your book, in some instances, sometimes those events and experiences that seem uncomfortable might actually be Shreya. Can you talk a little bit about that and also um, how to move through it? Uh, You mentioned sacrifice. You also mentioned surrender in the book. Can you give a little more insight there?
2: My understanding is that the supreme intelligence only manifests the good, the benefit. It's the limitations of the mind and the senses that see things as bad and unacceptable or too painful so when painful situations come like a catastrophe and the ego is very distraught i think about what a you catastrophe would look like. Now a catastrophe. you can see that it still contains the word catastrophe but the prefix e-u comes from the Greek and it means a good kind of in this particular case of a catastrophe. Mm. So what does that mean? It means that in every relationship there is a gift contained. It's up to us to not to dismiss it out of hand, and I'm thinking about like the COVID uh, situation where people want to immediately rush back to normalcy. Well, maybe there's something for each of us to learn in this quarantine situation, the capacity to go within and seek within and find the truth within. We're so used to being dependent and taught to be dependent on experts and objects outside of ourselves for our happiness and our security and our health. That's why the mind becomes addicted, has become addicted to extruding our creative energy through our eyes and our nostrils and our mouth and our ears and our hands and our feet in this desperate attempt, frantic attempt to find happiness and security and health so what we need to do is we need to cultivate skills in our life that teach us how to deal with catastrophes and find the gifts that's contained when in February of 2020 when I was in quarantine for the first time I didn't have students coming to me. And I had to sit myself down and ask myself the question, how are you to serve without students coming? And I could see people were in a tremendous amount of pain throughout the whole country, throughout the whole world. Is there anything that I can do to help them, to give them something? And that was the genesis of the idea of writing the book, Your Conscience. I had no desire. I had no intention to write a book, but it was a way of expressing my spiritual practice when I was dealing with a catastrophe. How was I going to make that catastrophe a gift for myself and for humanity? And so I put my energy into writing this book. And this, in part, has brought me to you, Simron. and talking to all these people. It's, it's a blessing. So we don't really know what's going on.
1: I totally understand that one, Leonard, because 1111 Radio and Magazine began out of my own way to deal with a a, a tragic and difficult circumstance. And Mm -hmm. I I thought it was really profound when I read your passage around Gandhi and his awareness that anger is power and how he used those huge reserves of anger and mental energy and creativity to creatively transform it, um, to allow it to be the movement that he created. And in reflection on that, I realized that that's what happened with 11.11, that all that I was experiencing in anger and grief, I needed to channel that into something else to not allow the ego mind or the senses to react in a different way. So what you've said, it seems that Preya and Shreya can exist simultaneously and what might be Preya for one would end up being Shreya
2: for another. Possible. Definitely possible. And the only way to know is to have access to the superconscious mind, to know the thought to think, the word to speak, and the action to take. Now, in this present moment, for my highest and greatest good, as well as the highest and greatest good of this infinite constellation of relationships that I have in this particular lifetime.
1: You gave a great metaphor and example as to... Preya and Shreya in terms of a piece of apple pie. And I'd love to give the audience kind of a, a more practical idea of how they can understand these terms. Can you talk about that um, that dinner and that piece of apple pie or the second
2: piece of apple pie? Sure. If if we're invited to, to a friend's house and they uh, create a, a beautiful dinner for us and uh, after dinner... Uh, The host or the hostess comes out uh, from the kitchen with a uh, freshly baked apple pie, which happens to be my favorite, and offers a a piece of apple pie for dessert. Now, perhaps I'm uh, looking to uh, lose a couple of uh, extra pounds, and I feel a little guilty about it, but my hosts have worked all day long to prepare this wonderful meal, and Life is to be enjoyed, and I certainly love uh, apple pie, so I ask my conscience, should I do it or should I not do it? And the conscience replies with the good housekeeping seal of approval, yes, this is a Shreya. You should accept this offer. Uh, You should eat the slice of apple pie and enjoy it thoroughly without guilt. And so we might do that. And then a few minutes later, after I finished, the host might come over and say, did you enjoy that? And I might say, yes, it was delicious. And then the host would offer, how about a second piece of apple pie then? Well, then you see, it's an entirely different relationship. And the conscience would probably have an entirely different response from the superconscious wisdom. In that case, that which was a Shreya to be served and experienced for my highest good as a human being a couple of moments ago now turns into a Preya. And my attachment to the apple pie, my desire for the second piece, needs to be sacrificed and transformed into strategic reserves of healing energy, willpower, and creativity. Now, if I can participate in that type of experiment, be willing to embrace the Shreya, and be willing to embrace the sacrifice, knowing that I and everything else and everyone else is going to be benefited from it, that's where the music starts.
1: Wonderful. Uh, we only have a couple of minutes left, and I have one final question I wanted to get in. And that is because so often, in, especially in the spiritual community, <clears throat> the term for greater good is used as a spiritual bypass. It, it can be used that there something is being done for the greater good when there actually may be an agenda or something else or an escapism type of concept that is going on how do we distinguish if something truly is for the greater good?
2: The promise is that if we base our outer actions, thoughts, words, and deeds on our own inner wisdom, it will lead us and humanity and the entire universe for the highest good. Now, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the experiment. And as long as we commit to the experiment, my experience is you feel better physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, by basing outer actions on inner wisdom. And that means sacrificing the praya, those ego or sense gratifications that conflict with inner wisdom. And in the process, We have no uh, claim to the fruit of the outcome. We have no claim to the consequence. Because we know, and we know that we know, we are always being led for our highest good. That engenders a tremendous appreciation and a faith in the teaching and in the practice
1: from leonard perlmutter's book your conscience the key to unlock limitless wisdom and creativity and solve all of life's challenges you can begin the practice of discovering who am i through this contemplation i have a body i am aware of the body but i am not the body i have a mind i am aware of the mind but i am not the mind i have thoughts I am aware of thoughts, but I am not thoughts. I have desires. I am aware of desires, but I am not desires. I have emotions. I am aware of emotions, but I am not emotions. Who, then, is aware of the body? Who is aware of the mind? Who is aware of the thoughts, desires, and emotions? Who is the thinker of every thought? Who is the experiencer of every experience? Who am I? Again, this is from Leonard Perlmutter's book. Thank you so much, Leonard, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. Please go get your copy of Your Conscience. And while you're at it, pick up The Heart and Science of Yoga as well. Go to the AmericanMeditation.org website, sign up for his newsletter so you can stay in touch with everything that is being put out and created and definitely participate in National Conscience Month in January and receive the offering of different forms of experiments to support your conscience in having an experience. Until next week, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love, and as love. Be well.
0: Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality